Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. What's up, Mark? How you doing? I am so, so great today, Jacqueline. And one of the many reasons is because our special guest today, not only am I a huge fan of his talented acting ability, but it's also a former Schmodown competitor once upon a time. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was trying not to bring it up, but bro, you're going down. And I'm just <laughs> thinking about it, and I really want to go back on the show because I think I destroy you now. Like, I feel like I've even since then, I went through a deep dive of just all movies ever, and I just feel like I would win now. Hey, that's I, why mean, I, I remember what I lost on. I lost on Kung Fu Panda, who was the yep. voice. Yep. And wow. I Jane Fonda, and I know I was wrong. Do you remember who it was? <laughs> I don't remember who it Angelina is. Angelina Jolie, maybe? Oh my no god! I did. It was. That's it was why Angelina Jolie. Was Angelina. Okay. I just ask the questions now. I as just our, ask the questions and I make other people answer them. So as everyone is trying to figure out who we're talking about, because he just doesn't need any introduction. Of course, I'm talking about Alex Wolf. You guys know him from Jumanji. You know him from Hereditary, and he actually has two new films in theaters right now: Pig with Nicolas Cage. But we're here to talk to him about old because on today's episode, we're going to be breaking down some of M. Night Shyamalan's filmography because Old opens this week. So before we bring you back in, Alex, and find out what is your favorite sort of M. Night film, we're going to go ahead and talk about his highest rated film with our segment we like to call Two Minutes with Tim. Take it away. Two Minutes with Tim. Thank you, Jacqueline. M. Night Shyamalan seemed to come out of nowhere. Though he had a feature under his belt, the coming-of-age comedy Wide Awake, The Sixth Sense marked him as a director to watch. And I know it's a cliche, but it was a movie that everybody was talking about. The Sixth Sense was the second highest grossing film of 1999, behind only Star Wars Episode I, The Phantom Menace. And though initially they might not seem to have much in common, The Sixth Sense was among a number of films released that year that had audiences questioning the basic reality of the narratives that they were watching. A list that includes The Matrix, Fight Club, The Blair Witch Project, and Being John Malkovich, among others. It's certified fresh at 86% on the tomato meter with 158 reviews, and it has a 90% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a fresh review, Jay Boyer of the Orlando Sentinel wrote, Not only does this production contain what is probably Willis's strongest performance and a lot of other fine acting, but it is also one of the best films of the year. And it's sure to be a movie that the people who see it will want to talk about. 
However, in a rotten review, Jeff Weiss of Salt Lake City's Deseret News wrote, if there was ever a movie that could be accused of being both too subtle and too heavy-handed at the same time, it would be The Sixth Sense. The RT Critics Consensus reads, M. Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense is a twisty ghost story with all the style of a classic Hollywood picture, but all the chills of a modern horror flick. So that's The Sixth Sense. Jacqueline? Mark? I'm ready to communicate with you now. Take it away. <laughs> oh, Tim. I, I really love um, Tim when he breaks it down, especially when he pulls themes, because I didn't realize how much at that time period we were basically like, is this real life? <laughs> is this reality? Like, that's like a cool pull theme. I liked it. Alex. Well, again, I introduced you, but welcome, because <laughs> I love that you had to come in here and like defend your schmodown honor before know, we even so, got your name. I was the New Yorker of me. I just, <laughs> just kind of yelled at your, <laughs> your co-host for no reason. I appreciate it, actually, because that's actually just cinephile nerdness. I know. Which, I, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say now, based on this, I got a game for Christmas called Cinephile, the card game, and it's like Cards Against yeah, Humanity styley. I, I played it in L.A. Um, and I beat all my friends. All we right. all did um, shots if we didn't get an answer. We made it a drinking game, a cinephile game, and I was okay. trashed. And they were like, name every. They were like, name every Bergman movie from. I was like, it is my bread and butter. Persona, <laughs> wild strawberry. I just started going on and on. I love it. Well, I'm putting, I'm putting a shout out here that I want to I want to make this trio cinephile at my place. Mark's in the neighborhood. We're in the valley. When you get back to L.A., we're going to make it happen. But right now we're going to talk about first your favorite M. Night film. Go ahead and break it down because I was surprised at this one. What, yeah. Which one is it for you? It's The Visit. Yeah. So when did you first see it and like, how did it capture you? That's part of it. I mean, that's that is always part of the experience and that I I saw a million of them in theaters and I, you know, have grown up with his films. But the visit caught me in a moment where I think um, I don't know what it was, except that, you know, I always see God, I don't even know, five or six movies in the theater like a week. Like I'm crazy about it. I love going to the theater and I think I'd seen a back to back just movies that hadn't surprised me or movies where I, I don't remember how old I was, but I went with my whole group of friends and we said, okay, we're going to see the visit because I've loved every single night movie. Um, since I was a kid. And so it was big for us, my friends and I always would go see the night movie, but this one, we went in kind of thinking this one looks different. This, there's something about this that looks like, and I have never been so audibly um, responsive to a movie. I've never enjoyed a movie in the theater as much as I enjoyed The Visit. And also I found that um, their performances in it, the two kids, it's just some of like the finest young people acting I've seen in a while. Her talking about how much she hates her face while the camera's just zooming in on her. And I, and I just found it to be so creative and it put every other found footage film even in its arena to shame in my opinion that is so by far the best found footage film i've ever seen and i think um i don't know i just i just adore it that just plain and simple i just think it's pretty much a perfect movie and I, we won't even get into the twist because i like people to keep that a yeah. secret but that's my favorite twist in any movies since like the 70s i think it's like the best wow mark i saw you nodding i can tell you're, you're about this 
Do you agree? Are you? Are you? I, are you I was. I was going to compliment both the young people acting and the old people acting in this movie. It's just yeah, it's absolutely. a cross generational yeah. masterpiece for that reason. And Olivia it's also young just is the, is the girl, and she's incredible. Yeah. She's so good with her with her facial expressions and just the way that she conveys a range of emotion. But overall, this movie was so exciting for me as somebody who was a huge Shyamalan fan right out of the gate with with the big three, those first three huge movies, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Unbreakable Signs. Sign. And then he went off and started doing some different types of films. And you're just sort of waiting for that comeback pitch. You're waiting for that for that big par putt for sports fans. And this was it because you get in the theater and you just have no idea what to expect. It's like, well, he used to give us a cool twist. I don't know if that's going to happen with this movie. And when it happens, I agree with you, Alex. I think it's right up there with some of the best work he's done with, with, with one of the cooler theater experiences I've ever had just because we knew to prepare for something, but we didn't know it was going to be that. that. And not it's that. So yeah. simple. And, and, you know, and I don't even, we won't even get into it, but it's such a simple twist. It's yeah. such a, of course, of course, that, <laughs> but but that to me is the most miraculous and majestic of, of filmmaking is when, oh, of course, that's what the amazing Hitchcockian twist is, but I didn't see it coming yeah. at all. It's just because you think, are you allowed to do that? Like, are you allowed <laughs> to go? And the way it's done, I'm just, I just... I mean, I can't get over. Also, you know, I've talked to him a lot about that movie. I was just um, going to say, how much have you nerded out with him about this movie? <laughs> I've nerded out about all of his movies, but I felt like, um, you know, like I feel like I have borrowed time to geek out about his movies because, you know, we're making a movie and and, and uh, I have to, you know, I, I want to, I'm his friend too. So we have a lot of yeah. things to talk about our families, whatever. And then I'm like, okay, if we're going to slot in any geek out time, I want to talk about the visit anytime <laughs> I can. And so I interviewed him at Tribeca for like a retrospective of his work. Oh, wow. And, um, he chose me, which was like the most amazing. I was like, you're coming for my gig, son. Can you not be this talented? <laughs> like you do the no, writing, he... directing and acting. Can you give me the interview, please? No, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I'm gonna and I'm gonna beat him at Schmodown. Oh um, my god. <laughs> by the way, I discovered it's the hardest job in the world interviewing. It's by far the hardest job. I mean it. It, it is by far the hardest and it's and it, you have to stay the most focused and you have to answer. And I saw your amazing uh QA with um didn't you do a Q&A for The Lighthouse? Yeah, I did. I did yeah, do I one. Yeah, I saw that. And I thought that was one of my favorites where you just Aww. were tremendous at geeking out and amazing. And, and I watched that a lot as preparation. I watched a lot of things to get myself ready. But when I was interviewing him, I asked him about the visit. It's kind of a moving story. He said that he showed the visit um, and not one company bought it. Not one company was interested in it at all. And he went home and he said he was just at the lowest point in his life. He said he was so depressed. He felt like, you know, maybe I've lost it. Maybe I've, you know, any, any, and I forget if it was Salika or Shauna, one of his daughters was putting together a little jigsaw puzzle and he sat down and, you know, he just started putting the puzzle pieces together, just one after another. He thought, How the, let's just do something to distract ourselves. And then he said, for whatever reason, it triggered something of, you know what, what, what if, what if I can make it better? You know, what if it's not all them? Like, and what if I can make this movie a lot better? And so he said he went into the editing bay and started to make each scene just a little better every single day. And he started to just cut and cut and make it better and better and better. And finally he said, wow, this is, oh, this is way better now. Like I could have made it way better before. Now it's way better. 
and uh, many showed it and, and it got bought. I forgot if it was Evil Weinstein or one of those guys, but whatever it is, it, it was bought. And and I think it made the most money of you know, yeah. any of the movies or and, whatever. And brought him back to his roots. It was, oh, the thing I yeah. appreciated, I love the movie, but I always love the stories behind the movies. Like if I ever do anything, that's what I want to do is like, did you know this little thing that everyone forgot but lives rent free in my brain? And for him on that one, I actually spoke to him about it too. And he talked about, it, he's like, I wanted to remove all of the distractions of making a big budget film because he yeah. said, I felt like I lost a lot of what made me excited about filmmaking and doing the visit. He said it was like, it just reinvigorated me. And I was like, I just love hearing an artist really look at their work in that way and really look yeah, at themselves. Yeah, no one would finance his movies at that point. Yeah, yeah. That's and so, Nobody yeah. would finance and my I movies. I just love how much pressure that puts on someone because the, the budget for that movie is reported somewhere around $5 million yeah. of his own cheddar. And so yeah. when you invest that much of yourself into it, that is so much pressure to have the movie perform well, but yeah. also to sort of, you know, add to your legacy. The movie ended up doing, like you said, Alex, almost $100 million worldwide. So just as far as profitability goes, that's a guy you want to invest in. Yeah. I mean, yeah, honestly, though, it's funny. Like, in some ways, I think he sees it as less of a risk. I mean, I, I would love to ask him about that in the financing, because for some reason, I never I felt like that would, was prying or something to ask about that. But I'd love to know, is it more pressure um, to put your own money in? You know, and you have like, because I think what they did was he took a mortgage out on his house. Maybe it's oh a second mortgage. Yeah, I think he took a mortgage out on his house and said, let's do this and basically bet his life on it. And I'm sure that's... Um, a big risk. And I'm sure there's a lot of pressure, but I think that part of it was that he had too much pressure and too many cooks in the kitchen before that. And by the way, I want to go on record as saying, I think that everyone is batshit crazy for ignoring some of the amazing films in that little period of time that, uh, by the way, can I just say, I'm actually a defender and like y'all gonna come for me if you want, but I know why I like it, but I had fun with the last airbender. I'm sorry. Oh, me too. I'm like, too. I really I had fun with it. But People don't get those, I, those I, fans I are gonna come for us. I don't know what to do with it because yes. I, I, I do believe that it is a different type of thing. It, it yes. does have things about it maybe that are not as strong as Unbreakable or something. But to write off Last Airbender or to write off, um, uh, to write off, which I think The Happening is such an amazing yeah. dark comedy, which has got so much wild things. I think that in some ways he, it's not just that he had all the studio distractions. I think he was experimenting with a different kind of cinema. I think he was yeah. having fun being both Spear, Spielberg and Kurosawa and trying to yeah. me meld all these kind of genres. And I get pissed off if anybody talks about way before I was in the movie. So that's why it was kind of kismet that it came to me. But way before that, I would get always pissed off if anybody would try and write off any section of his movies, which I think most people respect him, of course, as the great auteur of our generation. I just think that um, he just has this this beautiful um, defiance and and um, bravery in all his movies that I That's feel true. like he should just be looked at as the collective work as one of the great auteurs of our generation. I think that it's like you know um, the happening is like his like Barry Lyndon or something going oh way God. off the map and yeah, doing yeah. something way crazy. Bergman in the middle of his career made a couple weirdo comedies and like you know. <laughs> Made made the devil's way or whatever that movie is that that people just panned in the middle of his career or winter but light. But that's old school filmmaking. Old school filmmakers were not defined by what we like to define them. I mean, looking right. at you know even what Wilder, you know Wilder, everyone's like, yeah, he does romance, but like sun, like if you're looking at like Sunset Boulevard in comparison 
to the apartment. You could not literally so say true. to yourself that that the was apartment. the same filmmaker. It's so great. Real yeah. quick, want to touch on a Sorry, couple more I things did. about the visit before we get to old, because I want people yeah, yeah. to to Do definitely it. experience this movie and hear what you have to say about it. But what's your favorite scene from the visit? Like if you wanted to sort of sum up why you find it to be so visionary. As and, and I don't want to give it away the end. So, the end. so I, I won't give it away. The end is my, it's like my favorite thing night's ever done. I think it's ugh, just it's so amazing. Um, the end. And then also the scene where the camera's zooming in on her and he says, why do you always look in the mirror? I forget what he says, but it's just the scene between a brother and sister where there's not even a, there's not even a, a splash of horror genre in it. It's just a great scene between a brother and a sister. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. I also love the when the scene where the kids are playing under the house and there's and they're sort of crawling around and then they they, they, they capture something on camera. And they're, what the hell was that? Because I grew up sort of in the wilds of Virginia where like one of the fun places to play and make a fort is under the house. And so you go under there and you're just hoping to not run into a snake. You have no idea you're going to see a creepy grandma just crawl through. Jesus. It's just like th that oh is one God. of those ripples that goes through a theater where it, I, I liken that to the first time we see the shark in Jaws where it's like, mm -hmm. OK, we we do not trust anything happening anymore. Yeah. And I'm on the edge of my seat. It was just such a and cool way to like do it. 80 minutes in. Isn't yeah. that like it's like isn't that late in the game? Like we know all about there's all these things of like, can you clean the, the oven? Right. Right. Like when yeah. he says that, can you go clean the oven? There's things like that that are pinched. And then at the end, I love also that night is so not a navel gazer like night doesn't give a fuck he, he's like you know what i'm making this this yeah. is a horror movie now yeah. you know like no fuck this guys for thinking i'm just gonna stay in my little arty zone he's like no i i spread it out i rosemary's babied it and yeah. now get ready to scream this is what yeah. we're here for you know, I, I really do love that too. Um, I, I think it's going to be hard, but I'm going to make you do this because I'm not going to let yeah. you rank the movie that you're in. Sorry. Uh, and I know <laughs> rankings, you want to like do it all, but what's your, what, how does this rank for you? Like where, what's the top three of M night for you? I think it's the best. I'm just that trying to veer away. Cause I don't want to hype it. I think it's the best. I mean, I want you guys to see it, but I think, um, if people go for it or people don't, it really doesn't matter. That's how good it is. I think this movie is going to be stand in a mosaic of the more interesting movies of the past 10, 15 years. I mean, I think it's easily as most unique, but 
I would put the M. Night Shyamalan movies in a category and then I'd put old in a totally separate category because so it's does just- the visit top the M. Night ones then? I know it's that's a thinker. Hard. I'm gonna you- no, no, no. I'm gonna. You know what? It'll make him happy. I love Signs Unbreakable and and Sixth Sense. I love The Happening. I love The Village. I love these movies. But I'm just gonna be crazy and say the top three with without an order because I just can't do it is Visit, Split, and Old. And I feel like yeah. it's really fun to just be like, yeah, his later work to me is stands out as like, like even more. I think like it's on par with like Altman, like later Altman, like experimental kind of like images or like three women or something. Like, I feel like he's just at his prime in my opinion. And, and, and I can champion old a little bit too, because I, I had the pleasure of seeing old in a theater. It's, it's everywhere as of July 23rd. And it was a very weird movie to see. I literally screened the movie on my birthday which is a very weird thing to have happen because as you're getting older that day, you're also watching weird stuff happen on a beach with aging. Which I don't so. want to talk to Alex about this because he's wise beyond his years, ladies and gentlemen. He is. I don't think he's reached a quarter century yet, which seriously pisses me off because he's seen Gross. more movies than me. <laughs> yeah, but like you have friends in a life. Like it shouldn't piss you off. Just how lonely I am. Stop. Stop. Oh, no, that's so great. Um, Real quick, though, about old. um, What I love about M. Night's movies, even more than the movies themselves, is how genius of a marketer he is with Mm. his films. I know he is very involved because he's one of the producers and how it comes out. And I've loved the way they've teased old where you don't know a ton. But give me like kind of... um, What's your little amuse-bouche for it to sort of like let folks mm. know what they, maybe not plot points, but what they have in store for them with old? I am going to plead, beg. By the way, this is so fun. This is so, <laughs> I've been doing press for like weeks and weeks, and this is by far the most fun. We can just geek out about movies. But for me, it's like the more I, I, I use the metaphor of like, you know, there's those, there's like that science experiment where if you stare at something, you can't see it. And then you look away and you see the little dot in the corner. I feel like Mm. the more people try not to put this movie in any category and try to look too directly at it and more just lay back and let the movie happen to you and just sign up for it. And don't, and don't try and put it in any genre or, or um, uh, have too much of, of uh, comparisons or anything. Go into this movie blind and you will have the time of your life. And I wow. think it will link with you because even people come out and go, well, I don't know, is this just slowly an hour or so later, I catch them staring out the window going, that one scene, you know, it's just one of these <laughs> things that it, it, it sticks with you, you know, it's got, yeah. it's got a scent. It stays lo- with you in a fun way. My easy question about old for you, Alex, is look, you're a very hardworking actor. You're you're on set all the time and people who work hard need a good vacation. Does this movie at at any point make you rethink where your next vacation might take place? I mean, I want to go there and speed up time and it would be fun. I want to go there uh, with you guys. We'd have fun. Uh, dude. We just sit and um, play movie games. Y'all get to that beach about two hours before I do and then it'll all be even. I mean, honestly, though, too, like, I just want an outdoor projector on a beach playing movies at night every night. And then, like, oh. you know. And then we can die fast. Why not? Yeah, I'm about it. Um, Fire pit. I'll bring an acoustic <laughs> guitar. It'll be like the opening scene from Jaws. Uh, never mind. I'm sorry. I can't go. I'm so sorry. Mark is bringing a guitar. Come I'm on. so sorry. No, no. I'm this so is sorry, a new. guys. I just want so the E chord. Mark. I'm going through a tunnel. <laughs> Stop. Mark. 
We are going to get you out of here too in just mm. a couple minutes because you are very busy. Yeah, again, everyone, please check out Old per Alex's direction in a theater as quickly and as soon as possible that you can do that. Please check it out. But I have to ask you this because still to this day, you rank. I've, I did an interview with Alex uh, for Five Favorite Films, which is this series where we mm -hmm. ask filmmakers to do. And it was for Alex's film because he's also director, ladies and gentlemen. And what was so interesting is it was the longest interview I've ever done. It took me like, oh my God, like a half a day to transcribe <laughs> it. So I have to honestly ask you about movie recommendations before you get out of here because oh, oh my God. the man okay. sees everything, ladies and gentlemen. And that is rivaling someone who is literally paid to watch movies. <laughs> I um I have some weird ones and some not so weird ones that I've just seen. They're not my like necessarily my favorite movies, just movies I've seen recently that I thought were really fascinating and good. I saw a movie that um I'm really curious what you think called a common crime that just came out. Um oh. it's a Spanish movie. It's it's kind of scary actually. I, I um I found it um pretty disturbing and I and I thought it was very Kubrickian and kind of um mysterious and, and fun. Uh, and, and I really liked that. Um, I'm, I'm a total idiot and I just saw all that jazz for the first time. Never oh, seen wow. it. Yeah, and nice. just giving some fun recommendation of saw all that jazz. Um, I, I've now gone through, um, the entire Eric Romer, um, a collection. So wow. he's this amazing French um, yeah. filmmaker who will put you on a, a much nicer beach than old. You know, he's <laughs> makes all these summer movies that have all these personal conflicts that I just am addicted to. It's like it's like it's like for me, it's like reading Harry Potter. Or something. I just get like lost in the world and just keep. So I've seen every single one except the the um, the period ones, the ones uh, back in the day, because occasionally you have to be in the right mood to see a period movie so yeah. that that uh, all those are fantastic like Pauline at the beach um uh, uh, uh a summer tale um my night at mods is so romantic so great yeah so I, and he's I like just those. post new wave right like that was when his heyday was like just later i mean some of them are new-ish some new -ish, of them are like really? 80s, 90s yeah some oh, of them are much later so i mean he's just all over the map incredible um I eric romer i saw uh, a movie called um, One Sings, The Other Doesn't by Agnes Varda. That's so oh, yeah. so good and such a good story about, you know, family and, and, and abortion. And if you haven't seen her Black Panther documentary, you should check it out. I haven't. Yeah, oh, she it was on Criterion. I didn't I didn't see. I saw I saw a little thing. Is, is it amazing? She it is really amazing. On the beaches. Yes. There's, there's yeah. Two that just got put on. Okay. I, I got to see it. No, it's so interesting to see the questions that she chose to ask those women at that time because everyone was focused on the men of the Black Panther movement and she chose to focus on the women. And there's like conversations about natural hair and just thinking about when she made that, it's so ahead of your time. I mean, I have interviewers now that can't really grasp those sort of. Um, I would say questions when you're talking about certain subjects, they just go for the obvious thing. And so it was why just, you think it's, they're scared or something like she I was mean, less. She wasn't scared. I think she just approached it from a people standpoint, because if you the one thing you can say about her filmmaking, she was curious about things. And that's what she chose to put in front of her. And like, yeah. And so I just think she let her curiosity guide her and and also her empathy. Like I, I got to interview oh, her. That's so yeah. Great. Yeah. With faces. That she, she, you, you feel in her movies that she's a really kind, really yes. deep person. Yeah. And you can't, um, and, and, no film school is going to teach that. That's just who no, she is. No, you can't. And it's not that you necessarily have to be super kind to make a good movie, obviously, but 
Um, I, I sometimes I can feel in the movie, like I can always feel in a Cameron Crowe movie that he's a really good guy. Yeah. Perhaps well, too good guy sometimes yeah. In these movies, you know, they're, they're little. One of my sad. favorite books, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is a hard book to find, but if you ever can find it, it's a great book. Um, I've never read it. I've just seen the movie endless times, of course. Yeah. No, the book is pretty incredible. Uh, and considering when he wrote it, it's even more. Alex, so I just have to say thank you again. This has been really great. Thank you. I want to nerd out with movies with you as often as possible. As you have can. to go see Pig then. You got to go see All it. All right, I'm, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to see it in theater. theater. You, you, in you theaters. need people to see this one in a theater. You need, you, you want in a theater, thank theater you experience for, for both. Yeah. yeah. A, a theater experience for both. I know that night has really like, it's already like everybody already knows to go see that in a theater, but Pig, a, a seemingly small movie is really gorgeous and really has a scope and, and I'm proud of it. And go see Nicolas Cage's most incredible nuanced emotional performance. Um, that I've ever seen. I think it's just a, a really a love story between two friends who need each other. Um, what's the next? So, um, what's the next three-letter movie you think you're going to make? <laughs> yeah, I've literally decided I'm only going to make three-letter, one-word movie. Car I mean, one-word cool. movies especially, like Hereditary. This. Yeah. I mean, you really don't well, even have to put the Jumanji tagline on there. You could just say Jumanji. Right. Jumanji. Um, I only do one-word movies. That's my new thing. I love it. All right, Alex, thank you so much. Uh, everyone, Thanks please so go see Old in theaters. It is out this week. And pick. And pick. <laughs> I seriously think we could have talked to him for at, at least four hours. Not kidding. I think he could have talked for four hours. I mean, he's just <laughs> so knowledgeable yeah. about movies and he loves talking about it. And he's so eloquent when he speaks about it. And he's so young. Like you said, he's an actor, director. He does all the things. And he's like, it's, it's, it's just hard. disgusting. It's hard to like hate him because he's such a sweet and kind individual. But he has to be because I swear I you just want to hate him for his talent. Like, I'm not one of these gracious people where I see talented people like, oh, my God, there's so, I'm just like, I kind of hate you a little because I'm too much of a selfish artist to appreciate it. But he's one of the few that make it so easy to appreciate and love. And I'm going to hold him to that cinephile card game. Like, I'm going to find him in New York. Uh, As but you should. Yeah, I can <laughs> I, I can appreciate you. And I can also be insanely jealous at the same time. And fun fact, his movie, The Visit is 68% fresh on the tomato meter. So that's not the movie he stars in. He obviously stars in Old, which is now in theaters. But The Visit, the movie that Alex champions, 68% fresh, and it's 51% rotten on the audience score, which does surprise me a little bit that that movie isn't fresh with audiences. I think it has to do, too, with just what people were expecting for him from him at that point. He was doing a huge left turn with that movie. And I just don't think it's sort of like the reason why Crimson Peak was like not great on the audience review. It sure. just set up a different movie than what you got. And even though the movie was great, I do think that one, I'm not saying the marketing of it was bad, but it was slightly deceptive to hide the twists. And I just think some people walked out of it being like, this was just not what I expected, yeah. Well, if you want to talk about a movie that has a <laughs> twist and was not marketed the way that maybe it should have been, it was, look, my movie's The Village, okay? Okay. And I picked The Village, and I told Producer Lucy this. I was like, look, I'm going to go back and watch The Village again knowing what I know now because I was so disappointed when I saw that movie in theaters 
opening day. It was maybe the first movie I saw in L.A. once I moved here. I was so excited because keep in mind, folks, The Village came out. You had The Sixth Sense. You had Unbreakable. You had Signs. And then The Village. And The mm -hmm. Village is sold as this movie that takes place in olden times. And there's these creatures that live just beyond the woods that we have to please or else they're going to come attack us. And that is how the movie was marketed. We were getting a creature feature. Yeah. And so you look back, and even though you know by this point that Shyamalan's going to have some sort of twist in most of his movies, th there were twists in signs, but we still got aliens. There were twists in The Sixth Sense, but we still got ghosts. This yeah. movie, the whole twist is there's no monsters. There are yeah. no monsters to be found anywhere. It's just now we have somebody who can't see stumbling around in the woods trying to get to modern civilization, yeah. and it's a whole different movie. Having said all that, that's the vitriol for me walking out of the theater feeling like I was sold a false bill of goods. When I go back and watch it without all the marketing crap in my head, The Village is so well done. Exactly. It is such a finely crafted piece of art that is surprising on multiple levels. And I just found myself gravitating towards the direction, the performances, Roger Deakins cinematography. Jacqueline, yeah. I'm a huge I, fan of this movie and I was killing it for decades, for a decade after I saw it. So when did you become a fan, fan of it? When did the transition happen? Um, Three days ago. Three days ago. Yeah, three I mean, days I, ago. Wow. I, I could feel it erode. I could feel the hate eroding for a number of years just because you start to think about, well, what did M. Night do that was so wrong about this movie? What, what did the actors do? What did the people actually making the movie do that was so wrong? And regardless of whether he has a say in how the movie gets marketed or what the trailer looks like, I understand that the studio is trying to put butts in seats. Okay? Yeah. I understand that. But you also have to be prepared where if you're selling this movie as something totally different than what it actually is, you can say you're trying to honor the twist. But I also know that it's going to have a backlash because people are going to go see this opening weekend, get something totally different than what they thought they were getting. And it's going to affect what the reviews of the movie are. And you look at it, it's 43% rotten on the tomato meter currently. It's 57% on the audience score, which is rotten. I'm surprised it's that high. I thought the audience score would be much lower. But I love the movie because it takes place in modern day, except we don't know that because it's this community that is deep inside this nature preserve where even the people who are in charge of running the preserve aren't allowed to go into. And so it's a no fly zone. There's no ties to the modern world. And the reason for that for people living there is because there were people who felt like the modern world had betrayed them in their various lives. They got together in a support group and they said, hey, let's do something radical. And when William Hurt is sort of your cult leader, you believe yeah. everything he says. I mean, it's just, just a new version of a cult that just happens to have some Amish tendencies. Exactly. And uh, apparently, I, I was looking at some of the research that uh, the great Mark Hoffmeyer did for us. M. Night had the cast and crew live like that for three weeks. And Joaquin Phoenix door. was telling stories about trying to start a fire and he just couldn't do it. <laughs> and people, they, 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 no, no phones, no nothing for three weeks. They were just basically camping to get those sort of reps down. They were plowing mm -hmm. fields and just from, from top to bottom, I mean, I forgot Adrian Brody is in it and what yes. a different sort of element his character lends to it, how yeah. great Sigourney Weaver is, how great Joaquin Phoenix is, Bryce Dallas Howard. There's just so many great performances in this movie that really tie it all together. That was when I knew that Bryce Dallas Howard was 
definitely going to move past her father's legacy. That was what I was like. Right. Cause you know, there's always that Hollywood nepotism like thing that people like talk and think about, but like seeing her in that, I was like, oh no, no, this is like a different formula. Like she really brought it. And it, what's interesting is she's become a director in her own right since then too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will I will say this. Um, when I think about the village, I think about the scene where you figure it out because it's like so visceral. But like for you, Mark, what was the scene like if you, like when you were watching it? Was there a specific scene that you saw where you were like, oh, yeah, this is this plays differently now? I had so much hope and I was clinging to there being actual creatures in the woods when I saw it in theaters. And so there's a reveal in the movie where William Hurt just basically has to tell uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character that, hey, look, it, there are these creatures that there, there were rumors a long time ago, but we just uh, we, that's how we designed them. And he shows her the costumes that they put on. But then she's in the woods and she's by herself now and she's still frightened because she has these words from him echoing in her head that there were stories that they the old timers used to tell about creatures in the woods. And then you see one of the creatures and you're like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Is, is that it? Ah, 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 yeah. Are we going to creature? And yeah. it's a whole different thing. But Turns she's blind, right? Something yeah, different. And, and, and she's blind. And so we, the audience, can see what she can't, but she can feel everything. She can sense everything. And so I, I was sort of, even though I was disappointed when I saw it in theaters, I was still kind of on the edge of my seat from a hopeful perspective. Rewatching it, though, I could just really sink my teeth into, okay, are there any hints that they give us as to this is modern day and the elders know more than everybody else in the town? And it's just such a cool way that, that, that he made the movie. It, it was really, really spoke to his directing ability that he could tell a story like that. And so had it been marketed differently, I, I don't know if I would have felt that way at the time, but it also would have taken some of the punch out of the twist. And so I don't know what the perfect balance of that was. I just feel like the studio itself erred on the side of, we need to make sure that we make a lot of money with this movie opening weekend. One thing I will say is I think that when we get into my film, I think I saw it the best way to see an M. Night Shyamalan film. We'll get to that in a second. But I wonder when you look at the score, 43% rotten and 57% on the audience score, if that bump up has come later, because I will say The Village has risen in the estimation of more than just you. It is definitely one of those movies that people, in fact, I think I just saw a tweet today where somebody was posting the scene where they're like getting into the underground tunnel and it's like Brody bringing her down like that. That was somebody today being like, M. Night gave y'all this and y'all wanted to call him a flop. And like that to me, I think sort of personifies the problem with somebody that comes out of the gate. Like coming out of the gate with the sixth sense, you know that there's haters just waiting for you to fail. (laughs) And so I just feel like, like by doing what he wanted, um, I think at least he's happy with what he did. And more importantly, for the people who didn't feel it, I don't think, I don't think all of it was because of what they saw on screen. And I put that on my film split because mine is actually pretty high on the tomato meter. It's 77% on the tomato Mm -hmm. meter. And it was this movie that people were like, M. Night is back. He was actually back with The Visit, but they were like giving him credence with it, um, with Split. And I saw this film at Fantastic Fest as the secret film that they showed for... um, like the festival. So you don't know what the movie is before you sit down for it. And I think at that point, we maybe had a trailer for Split, but I don't think we even had a trailer. I don't think we had 
anything yet that came out before that. Maybe a trailer. So we sit down. So you down. didn't even know you were walking into an M. Night Shyamalan film until the movie started? Yeah, until the movie okay. started. My question with that is because again this is leading up to split and and i agree with you i think that his official comeback pitch was the visit because that, that was off the heels of of after earth which i still defend and the last airbender i'll throw devil in there too because he didn't direct mm. devil but devil was he wrote it and produced, produced it, it yeah. and and you could even see then like the, no this guy still got his fastball with, yes. with devil but it then after earth came out it, yeah and didn't do his and 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 was sort of a flop and then the visit was a very small movie that got some good word of mouth split was his official comeback but i'm wondering when you sat down to see it fantastic fest nobody knows what this movie that they're going to show is when m night Shyamalan's name came up what was the reaction in the crowd because i can remember them showing the trailer for I think Devil and people laughing when they saw his name as opposed to the ooh you know I mean so this is the thing and I'm like again I drink a lot of rosé so I'm trying here but um, <laughs> if I recall I do think there was a trailer out I do think we okay. had like a teaser trailer for Split and so I do believe when the title card went up people freaked out and I have to cool. give a complete amount of props to the Alamo Draft House because the secret movie at Fantastic Fest is sometimes really amazing but it can get spoiled very easily mm. like two years before it was actually Crimson Peak the movie we were talking about just recently and that was a movie where I saw nothing going into it and it was perfect and the problem was, though, I knew it was Crimson Peak because Guillermo del Toro was walking around the Alamo Draft House and like the day before the secret screening. And so everyone was like, he doesn't have a movie here, but he's like walking around the Alamo Draft House going to screenings. Everybody knew that it was Crimson Peak. Right. But with Split, they literally drove them to the place 20 minutes after the film had started screening to make sure nobody could see him. And I actually got to ask him a question at the Q&A about why he wanted to come down there. And he said, he's like, look, Austin's where the cool kids are. And I knew if I brought the movie here and it had the reaction that I wanted to have it, I really knew that this was it. He was just like, I just knew that this was the type of movie that I wanted to send with a true horror head audience and people yeah, and that were just going to buy into it. And what an achievement it is, because you, you talk about Shyamalan being famous for a lot of his movies having some sort of suspenseful twist in it. This one pleases not only my movie going sensibility, but also my comedian sensibility, because this yeah. twist is a callback to yes. what he did early in his career. And it works. Absolutely. And the other thing, too, even with Split, because it is very straightforward, everything about it gives what it is. But there is a little bit of twist on why Anna Taylor-Joy's character, and it's actually my favorite scene in the movie, when you look at all the players that are around James McAvoy's character, because James Split is about um, a young man who has uh, multiple personality disorder, and his more uh, destructive personalities take control, and he becomes like a murderous sort of like uh, serial killer. And uh, he abducts these three girls who are not friends with Anna Taylor, Anya Taylor-Joy, but she's uh, with them at a birthday party. And the other girls who have lived this sort of sheltered life are great. But we come to find out that on, uh, Anya Taylor or Anya Taylor Joy had abuse in her childhood. Mm -hmm. And it's a slow reveal. And you can see the damage within her actually saves her. And that to me is like also a twist in that one. And it was so well done because the scene where you realize what's happening to her. I remember being in the theater being like, no, 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 little girl. Don't go in there. No, 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 no. 
it was just, it was so like, you just, it was like the kid, you know, that's walking into the doom in the horror movie. And for not being a true horror, it just, it just added so much on that. But yeah, the, that twist at the end with, uh, spoiler alert, kids, uh, Bruce Willis popping up and you realize this is completely part of that unbreakable universe, which also previewed the fact that they were getting ready to join it again by having glass. Right. And so I got to see this movie super early as well. I can't remember exactly how I got in the theater, but uh, I had a friend in town, Chris Stuckman, who's a movie reviewer yeah. slash filmmaker. He's making a movie now, which yeah. I'm really excited to check out. And he's just he's just such a movie aficionado and, and a creative powerhouse. And so I'm sitting next to Stuckman in this screening that the movie was scheduled to come out, I think, mid-January and I'm and, and we're yeah. in the theater mid-December. And so we're seeing it. This is like a super early screening for this movie. Yeah, and it's like, early. hey, do not tell your friends. Um, you can tell your friends it's great, but do not tell them anything about this. And he started visibly shaking when they're at the end of the vis or at the end of uh, split where we're at the diner. We're eventually we're going to get the Bruce Willis reveal. But before that, we pan around to every other patron in that diner watching the news report of this weird thing that they're reporting on. And the music from Unbreakable kicks in. And I'm just not the score head. I'm a soundtrack head, but I'm not a score head. So I, I can't really pick out a score unless it's something super John yeah, Williams yeah. famous. Stuckman starts shaking because he knows that's the Unbreakable music. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. What, what? He was so excited. Yeah. And then it pans over to Bruce Willis just saying, Mr. Glass. Yeah. And the theater erupted. Erupts. That was the and same thing in, in, uh, in, uh, at Fantastic Fest. It was just so cool. And yeah. it's it's just really one of my one of my treasured theater going experiences. Um, the the end of split, and, but but it's also not just the twist because a lot of people are like, well, yeah, the movie's okay, but the twist. I thought the movie was stellar up to that point. And to be yes. honest with you, I thought it was a great movie regardless of what of the Unbreakable tie. Ab absolutely. And what's so interesting too at the fantastic screening, um, by the time you get to that moment, uh, M. Night and James McAvoy were actually sitting in seats because basically, like I said, they waited 20 minutes, but then they actually put them in the audience. And so mm -hmm. M. Night got to experience that, like literally people stood up yeah, <laughs> and yeah. started doing like an Avengers, like, oh, what? And it was like nuts, like huge standing ovation. And I just, I love the ability, I think, for a filmmaker to have that because like him and Jordan talks about this. Some filmmakers make moments in their movies specifically for how the audience is going to take it. And I think when you look at M. Night Shyamalan as a whole, and, and honestly, he's had a lot of chapters in not a long amount of time. I mean, what, Sixth Sense was 96? 99. 99. Yep. 20 years is a lot, but when you think about how many evolutions he's had in that 20 years with his filmography, you really am like, again, to your point, the kid's still got a fastball. He's got a lot left. Um, it's interesting to, to, to see. Like, he started with a screenplay no one saw coming. Everyone was talking about Oscar nominated and then just is still writing chapters. And I still feel like he's maybe got another Sixth Sense type moment still left in him. Oh yeah, I, I I think that that now I, I saw a quote from him that, that I that I loved because he's gone off and made different sorts of films now in his career, but I think that he sort of embraced how most audiences have come to know and revere him is mm -hmm. for those more thriller suspense movies, and he likened it to understanding that because when he opens up an Agatha Christie book was his example, he's expected he has a certain set of expectations. Yeah when he does that he's expecting a mystery 
to slowly unravel. And so if you make a movie like The Last Airbender after Earth, where it's not necessarily that, then it might have it might come with a set of audience expectations that are let down as a result. And so I I mean, I can tell you all this without ruining anything with old is that old is it, it employs some new directing techniques or at least the matriculation of that I haven't seen before. Mm. There is not a wasted shot in that movie. And it just feels so true to what he loves about cinema. And it really was a fun theater experience. And and so I know Alex wants you to see every movie on the big screen. Yes. Old really is one of those movies. I'm I'm telling you kids now, it really is a fun, fun watch on a big screen. Look, I felt the threat. I'm going to see Pig in the theater. I know like <laughs> like legitimately I'm like I'm going to have to send back this screener because Alex is going to absolutely come for me if I'm I don't. I hear a lot of good things about this Pig movie. Yeah, I really want to see it too. So um, I'm down for it. I'll just add this one last thing. Again, shout out to Mark, Mark Hoffmeyer for our research. Say what you want to about M. Night Shyamalan, but everything comes from the pen. And as a writer, and you're a writer, comedians are writers, I'm a writer, there is just such a power in that. And and it's the thing that's interesting is that's what he went back to when he hit bumps in his career. He went back to the writing. He went back to the storytelling. And he just said, this is why it is. And James McAvoy, Mark, uh, had this interview with him where he talked about it. he's the most prepared director he's ever worked with. And this is James McAvoy, who I've heard is like a very prepared um, actor. He did it with um, Bill Hader and like it's a huge book. And and like he was asking Bill Hader, it's like, didn't you read that part in the book? And Bill was like, I didn't read the book because it's like <laughs> huge. And he's like, I read the book. And it's, <laughs> it's like and Bill was like, I've never felt more like a slouch because he's a theater actor. <laughs> William Defoe is like that. When you get these like old school theater heads, that's what they love. And so mm-hmm. I think M. Night approaches writing that way. He researches a ton and then he goes and writes. And so that's why when you get with him on set and he's talking about his shots, you you don't feel lost. You feel like you're in the you're in the hands of a guy that's been to the top of Everest 10 times. Yeah. According to Roger Deakins, when they worked on the village together, those storyboarding sessions were long because he plotted out every shot. And Sam Jackson had a cool quote because back when he was doing Unbreakable, he said that Knight was just very he was like a dictator. on set where it's like you do it exactly this way with that look with that line delivery and then he said that by the time he got to making glass that m night was more like okay i I trust the actors to do to do what feels right for you in the scene so it's interesting to see that you can loosen the reins sometime and get just as good of a result it's also funny to note that sam jackson every time he saw m night Shyamalan in between those two movies he would just give him a bunch of crap because he's like when are we making our sequel yeah and then and then Knight sent him the movie, um, the split. And he's like, hey, hey, watch this new movie I did. Didn't tell him that it was going to tie into Unbreakable. And so then at the end, you know, Samuel L. Jackson's like, oh, this is great. And yeah. then they make glass. So it's just a, it's such a cool kind of M. Night sort of reflecting on his career and then making it come full circle. And now I feel like audiences once again give him the credibility that we had from the start. Yeah. And I hope they will add that credibility to make themselves go to the theater this weekend and check out old because, yeah, I I like I just like a good old fashioned horror movie like that, you know, where fun movie for to watch in an in an audience. Yeah. All right. That wraps it up. Breaking down our filmography with M. Night Shyamalan. But we're not done for the day because we are actually going to transition to our mailbag. Uh, Brian, cue the music. 
Okay, kids. From a member of the Ketchup Crew, Guillermo Septimo. He's from Argentina. Please tell me I said that correctly. If not, forgive me. Uh, he says, I wanted to propose a podcast of Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong about the movie Con Air. And so you can discuss why this blockbuster and classic of the 90s, but not Colt, who shows a more active uh, Nicolas Cage like he never does, <laughs> uh, is rotten on the tomato meter. Uh, this um, this podcast, I only propose it after the launch of the new movie, Pig. Greetings from Argentina. I love how he made this like an actual proposal. Like nobody yeah. is ever this nice to me. Guillermo, shout out to you. Honestly, I think after all of our pig talk with Alex um, and... Uh, yeah, just I, I feel like, yeah, we're going to have to we're going to have to maybe do this one. I'm down Con for it. I love Conair. Conair is a good one. It's 56 percent on the tomato meter. So it's just south of fresh. The audience score is right in the fresh zone at 75 percent. It'd be great to have a special guest from the movie on. I don't think John Cusack is going to be that guest. I don't think no. he's a huge fan of, of being in that movie, but he's good no. in it. He's good in it. But yeah, yeah. I heard, let me call I've, Nick. Let me call Nick. I have his cell phone number. Hey, look, there. we just talked to him recently. Joel Mears, uh, the editor in chief, did an interview with him. that's actually up on RottenTomatoes.com. And it's pretty incredible. The one thing I will say about Nick Cage is he's just a man who I think does what he wants. And I really appreciate anyone, anyone that can follow up Mandy after the filmography that he's had. I'm just like, dude. Don't don't count this guy out. Um, it's so interesting. Another actor who did this too, um, Cuba Gooding Jr. After he won the Oscar, did a bunch of movies that people did not think were great, and he was just like, "I learned how to make movies doing those movies." And then you see him come back in People versus O.J. Simpson, and mm -hmm. yeah, it's just so interesting to see uh, when people are are less worried about what other people thinks. To um, Alex's point, not navel gazing; they're just doing what makes them happy. Uh, yeah, I'm down for it. Also, uh, I really want to talk about the song because the drama between Diane Warren, Leanne Rimes, and Trisha Yearwood about that hit that did not win an Oscar, even though it desperately should have, is better than like any beauty influencer drama on Twitter or 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 YouTube. Really? Like, the Con Air is, song? Oh my God, there is like heaps. Because Leanne Rimes recorded the song, they didn't like it for the movie, Trisha Yearwood re-records it for the movie, but Leanne was like, because of the way their contract, she could still release it as a single. She did release it as a single. That one becomes the hit and the Con Air one doesn't. And it's like this whole thing between her and Diane Warren and Trisha Yearwood. And it became like, it was like Mean Girls uh, songwriting. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the next People versus OJ. That, that that should be the next like crime story serial that we get so on television. And I'm, and I'm paraphrasing all of this. We'll go into detail when we talk about the film. But yeah, there is like a whole bunch of drama behind that movie. Uh, thank you, Guillermo. That was a great, great email. Yes. Um, thank you again. That kind of does it for us today. We will be back. But before we do, we want to remind all of you guys, please, wherever you are listening or watching this, rate, subscribe, review, and also do like Yermo did. Send us what you think we should be talking about next on the podcast because we do this podcast for you guys. You guys are our, the only thing that we're doing this for, honestly, because I just don't like sleep. It's just for y'all. That's what it is. I love naps, but I make sure that we do this in the morning in between the gym and then my eventual nap, which is going to feel great today because again, I'm flying up to Seattle this weekend to run the new hour. Eventually, it's going yeah. to be a special. Right now, it's a it's just a raw 
hour 15 of clay that I got to chuck into something funny. So you and we'll you and Melanie, you and Melanie um, are working on your material right now, and I'm anxiously awaiting both. We're getting in there. We're getting in there, getting our hands dirty. Uh, y'all can email us RT is wrong at rottentomatoes.com. That's RT is wrong at rottentomatoes.com. And next week's episode, Jacqueline, people have been looking forward to this for ages. We're, we're taking a break. We're, we're taking a break. I was just about to say, week. we're not going to be there. People have been looking for us to like not come back. <laughs> well, we're giving the folks an opportunity, is the way I look at it. You have an opportunity yeah. next week when you would be listening to a new episode of RT is Wrong. Go back and revisit some of the ones that maybe you missed, some of your favorites. We've done a bunch of Star Wars movies. We've done a bunch of the big blockbusters, your Titanics, your Armageddon's. We've also done some smaller movies that maybe those are the ones you missed. And sometimes those are the best conversations. I would look at something like Sister Act 2 is something where it's like, oh, we're going to do that. Actually, that conversation literally blew my mind. So yes. there's a lot of stuff to go back and delve into. And we encourage you to go check out some of your favorites. Tell your family, tell your friends. And like and do all that subscribe stuff that Jacqueline asked you to do. Yeah. And for everyone quote tweeting about the movie that you're pissed off about for Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> tell them that we have a podcast. This was like a yeah. trending topic on Twitter. And I was literally wanted to comment under each one. We have a podcast that talks about this every week. Come to what the if fold. That is why we're taking a week break is because Jack and I just have to get to the bottom of that thread to see who started it. So then yes. we can go from there and just remind everybody who commented that Rotten Tomatoes is wrong about something that there's a whole podcast dedicated to it. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about Suicide Squad in a couple of weeks. That's our that's yeah. our big comeback. The yes. way that N. Mike Shyamalan came back with The Visit. We're coming back in two weeks with Suicide Squad, the original Suicide Squad movie, which is weird to say because it came out like three years ago before the new <laughs> Suicide Squad movie comes out in theaters. Yeah. Everybody tune got in, that? Yeah. <laughs> tune in for that one. The movie that made me break up with DC. All right. That's it oh, for us. Boy. I want to thank Alex Ooh. Wolf, Producey Lucy, Brian Perez, uh, Christian Rubicab. I'm going to say his name wrong. Christian, I'm sorry. Rubicaba. Uh, or you can just go Christian Ru Ruby. Rubicaba. I had it right then. I was like, I had it right. Rubicaba. Confidence. This is the kind of crap that I can't do on stage in Seattle this weekend. I have to sell it even if I don't know what I'm saying next. I have to sound yeah. confident. Yes. And you guys can find out about that. Follow him. He'll have it on his website. Mark Ellis live. Dot live. Yeah. Dot live. And Mark then also, Ellis dot live. Very dot different live. website from what it used to. Be. It's <laughs> and uh, you guys can find me at that Jacqueline all over the interwebs. And we will see you guys after our break. See you then.